0: This is New Hampshire's home for sports on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua.
1: Uh, nothing like a little dead milkman when the uh, rain's pouring down in the fine city of Philadelphia where the Boston Bruins are tonight to take on the Flyers, an old school matchup, the Broad Street Bullies, the Big Bad Bruins, of course we know it's not that way anymore, but on to talk about the way it is right now, and maybe the way it was, and maybe even some good punk music from Philly is our good friend Mick Collagio, Mick how you doing buddy?
2: I'm well, and if you don't have Mojo Nixon, then your store needs some fixing.
1: <laughs> I like it, buddy. Are you uh, Are you in the midst of these uh, torrential downpours across the area right now? I don't know if you can hear my windshield wipers, but they're working hard. Oh man, it's brutal out, eh?
2: Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a nice night to be driving. I wish they could have uh, honored cash on another night, but I'm heading in for the tradition and. Uh, Going
1: to uh, enjoy uh, saying hello to the number twelve. I hear you. And Cash is a is a classic. Do you know? Uh, you're going to see him probably after for media availability. I take it, right? Well, beforehand, I think. Probably okay.
2: In the six o'clock hour.
1: Do do me a favor. You don't have to. It didn't come from me. You can act like you just did your research. Go talk to Wayne Cashman when you get up there, and if you can get him a little aside, because it won't really apply to everything. But just say, I hear you have a good Johnny Cash story. And he's going to tell you a great story. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll thank oh,
2: cool. me.
1: Okay. All right. Just say, hey. Okay. Uh, someone was telling me you got a great Johnny Cash story, and because uh, I was with I was with Wayne Cashman after a Bruins practice, uh, talking uh, when the news came down that Johnny Cash had passed away, and so we started uh, talking about our love for the uh, the great musician, uh, and he told me one of the best stories I ever heard. So it's it's a great hockey, music story that we all love on this show. So. Hey, listen, Mick, they're they're down in Philadelphia tonight. When you look at this game, I know they've got no Char and now no Lyles as well, but this is a—I don't know if you can say there's any games that the Bruins should win, but this is a game that if they execute their system and their plan and they go out there and they do their jobs, they can very well win. Would you not agree?
2: Oh, definitely winnable. Yeah. Um, I hate using the word should— um, but, but, um, it's a winnable game, and it's certainly one that you're got to feel some some uh cramping in your side if they don't right um you know, no matter how it gets away from them, you certainly don't want to see them leave two points on the board tonight down there uh, you know I think that they're the better team um they do have <laughs> they do have an issue, but I think right now the young defensemen are trending up. I think that you know it's funny how Kevin Miller. Two, first two games back, he made the, the individual mistake that you could say was the difference in the game, and they were classic Miller mistakes. But he went and played mammoth minutes uh, in his last one and, and was great. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he's going to step back on to, from that point forward, I think it's reasonable to expect that he's going to be the guy that he was for most of last season. Yeah. He was the much improved player.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And you look at the, the team on the other side there, the Flyers. I mean, this is a team that, that can be very sloppy in their own end, very sloppy in the neutral zone. But they would love to kind of entice the Bruins in, into that kind of run-and-gun type game. So that's why I think it's imperative that the Bruins really cramp up the zone there. Cramp, you know, don't, don't let it go back and forth. Don't let it become a track meet. And I, I, I think they'd be okay with this team.
2: Yeah, I think that helps them if it goes fire wagon because of their D-men. Um, they're better D-men, they, they, they push pace. Yep. And they push the puck, and they're doing it well. And if, if the Bruins started fixing their back check a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, um, you started seeing more guys in the middle to take away those long diagonals. And the recovery area for the game for the Bruins forwards was much, much better, which has helped... Uh, Corey Krug and Adam McQuain immensely against uh, transition teams, and, and you know, this this is hopefully for them going to be another one of those games where they can frustrate an opponent that thinks they should get something on the Bruins that way, and then they don't, and the Bruins are going to beat them uh, in the cycle game.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we just had Pierre McGuire on uh, earlier in the show, Mick, and we were discussing uh, the Marshawn-Pasenick uh Berger online and how successful they've been and the way they've blended together. Um, and, and one of the things we brought up was the the evolution of Pasternak's physical game this year and, and how important that is uh, for a skilled player like uh, like Pasternak, who, who I think, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a stereotype, but it's there that I think a lot of times people see the European players, they think finesse still, and you, you don't necessarily expect that physical game. And you might try and take advantage of a player that's known to be more finesse. So when he can come back and play the physical game he's played, it's going to help him that much more and kind of give him some space that he needs.
2: Yeah. I kind of see him more in the the lightweight yarder mode, you know. I mean, he's he's a good puck protector even though he tends to do things in a speedy way rather than with a heavy feet that Jager puts his feet down and quarters his body, and you ain't getting anywhere near that fuck. He's like a modern-day Johnny Busek. But but, uh, but uh has had that in him to play that way, and it just was a question of whether or not guys could ragdoll him. Mm-hmm. And, and the one preseason game that I saw him play this uh, fall – I didn't like how he looked, and so I was thinking, well, if this is really overhyped right now, and he's still the guy he was last year for the most part. Well, I have been made to feel foolish by that because this guy's made amazing leaps.
1: Yeah, he really has. And you know what else I like? I said to Pierre, and I'm sure you've noticed it too, is is just his attitude in terms of wanting to improve, wanting to play that two-way game that that Julian asked his guys to play. And almost embracing it and realizing the benefits it can it can have offensively, not just defensively, just the benefits that it can have offensively as well.
2: Absolutely, I I think that uh, if you can if guys can learn at a young age that defense begets offense and uh you're gonna have yourself a, a heck of a hockey team sooner rather than later and he's certainly a guy who has taken a giant step this year. I'm not so sure it's in his commitment that's changed so much, but his ability to physically carry that out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And of course it doesn't help I mean it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Berger on your line as a mentor, huh?
2: Well, he's certainly uh, great to have as a conscience and also as an insurance policy. Um, he's always uh, thinking the other side of the game, and it could be in the middle of a scoring chance. But it's funny how the chemistry with these guys has developed and you have this anomaly of Bergeron's low scoring production this year. Um, and uh, I don't really know how much injury factors into that, but uh, it hasn't been uh, – you know, at times he looks like the same guy, and at times – uh, he just seems like a stabilizing force on a line that has two real offensive
1: threats. Yeah, for sure. And it, But it's working, and that's what matters. Uh, some players that ha- are, aren't finding their way right now, one of them I want to discuss with you, we, we mentioned it, uh, I, I think it was yesterday or the day before on the show here, is Ryan Spooner, and this is
2: a kid. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Uh, i not gonna do out. I'm hanging. Good, I, I, I no. <laughs> I'm five I'm having good I, I you know, it's just like the Spooner story has gone on so long. I mean, how many lives does this cat have?
1: Yeah, and, and, like you think he he turned a corner last year, and then he comes in. He's struggling here. I saw that he was. He, he finally was saying some good things, and you know, I realized what I got to do, and I'll do what, what's asked of me. But I wonder what's going on behind the scenes with him. And, I mean, how much of this is mental?
2: He had me buying it. But, you know, and, but, he, but now it just seems like his compete comes and goes with New England weather. I don't really know what to expect from him one shift to the next. And can you have that either be one of your top uh, 2 lines wingers? Or your third-line center, can you afford that? How much, law, how much more patience does Don Sweeney have to give before he decides that you know, this guy's, you know, not going to be able to help us get where we want to go? Well,
1: that being said, Mick, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure his name has come up before, and it's going to come up again if it continues in the trade rumors. Does Sweeney need to act sooner rather than later? so as to kind of shield as much as possible what we're talking about right now and not let other teams uh, discover that more than maybe they already have.
2: Well, uh, these pro scouts, are, they're good. They know what, they know. You talk to Kevin I McDonald, know. to the St. Louis Blues, assistant the GM there now. Um, you talk to any number of these guys and, and they know exactly what they're looking at and they've seen it a hundred times. I so know. So it's, uh, so I... I don't think, I just think that if there's a desperation on the part of a team to fill a hole and a belief that with the appropriate support that they can bring back the production numbers, (coughs) excuse me, that Spooner has achieved at his best, then, you know, you get. A guy that may help you, but you probably have to take a similar gamble on an uneven part of his game.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. The other guy that I worry about, but every time I worry about him, he seems to uh, prove me wrong and and, and give me no reason to worry anymore, is David Krejci. And I I don't think he's been as bad as people have said he has been, but at the same time, he's definitely not where he could be. And, And I wonder... A guy of that magnitude, Mick, uh, does the patients ever run out with him, or is it just they sort of take the ebb and flow of his game and and they know that sooner or later he'll turn it around?
2: At some point, the hip surgery is going to be uh, a non-factor in the assessment, in the evaluation process. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point, David Krejci has to... uh, say, I don't care who my wingers are, I'm going to get this done, and and be the guy that he's been at very important times for the Bruins in the past several years. Um, I think it's in him, from time to time you see this, but then he makes these uh, lackadaisical decisions on his own entries that just boggle your mind, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, it's like the drop pass to an opponent and... and Little things that happen along the way that just make you wonder what's going on there. Uh, you know, it's just um, he's, a, he's a great hockey player. Uh, he has a genius quality to him. Uh, at the same time, he depends heavily on having uh, a physical, uh, one or two physical wingers uh, and, and having some speed on their forecheck. I think Bacchus has helped him a great deal. Um, I don't think that's solved the other end of it, and I'm looking forward to a Frank Pitino retur- return because I think that that would be the next experiment
1: there. Yeah, that's a good point there, and you, you, you know, you beat me to it too. I was going to bring up, you know, I, I think it's great when he does have that chemistry with the the big wingers like Abacus or Horton or Lucic. That's great and all, but I want to be, a, I, I don't want a guy to have to depend on that. I want him to be able to do it on his own, and he's got the creativity, he's got the hockey intelligence to do it. Why has it always been such a, a struggle for him uh, to kind of take that leap and not necessarily always need that big winger? And you know, there comes a point where I don't know, make you got to say, hey, listen, are you, are you going to do this? Or are you you're always going to look for them to help you do it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one because if you're the Bruins, you say, okay, uh, we got we got a situation here where we know what this guy's capable of if the team comes together the right way. They right. uh, can stand on their shoulders and do some special things that other players wouldn't be able to do with that kind of support. Um, and, and then if you go ahead and you say, oh, wow, we can get ourselves a top three defenseman, though, if we move this guy and get rid of this giant contract. Well, now you're down to one center who's, whose forte is not scoring. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and now you say, then what do we got down the middle here? Do we have to make back at the center? And then what happens to us taking a line here? What happens to our offensive of chemistry? What are we now? And did we do this just to, you know, to, to, and we, and, the, and I'll tell you, if you're talking that way, you better get a guy who can step in and be Ryan Souter and, and play 27 minutes mm. and play off situations. Otherwise, you're, you're compromising a spinal cord to your club that very few teams have. And and uh, while the Bruins aren't ready to contend for the cup, what difference does it make whether Krejci's at the top of his game? As far as I'm concerned, the question is is whether or not he's got to be there when you have the right players around him and make him the effective player that he can be. And right now, Backus is there, and I think that that makes Krejci more accountable.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting. Is I heard this saying? I don't know if it's McGuire says it all the time. One of the one of the national commentators always says when you're in a situation like the Bruins are, and I'm thinking about how Char is hurt right now, and they know that they, can, they already could use defensive help, right? But now they could use it even more. And they and always says, yeah, these are the times when those other GMs, they're not throwing you life jackets, and they hardly ever do, but they're throwing you anvils right now. And, and I wonder, <laughs> you know, no kidding. like those anvils must be flying at Don Sweeney right now. That's, that's the way I would look at it.
2: Yeah, but, you know, the Bruins' um, defense hasn't been their problem lately.
1: Yeah, they've been lucky.
2: So, I mean, I think that they're going to stay the patient course like they always seem to do. I think the last thing you want to do is trade from a position of duress. Um, You know, that's the last thing Sweeney wants to do. He's exhibited a ton of patience, and um, I don't know if he's – they also don't seem to want to tell high. They seem like they'd rather marry their team and try to win with it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really sure what to expect here, but I get the sense that whatever they do do, it's going to come as somewhat of a surprise because it won't have much to do with how the last two weeks have gone.
1: Yeah, for sure. Positive or negative? Sure. Well, listen, Mick, you get there safe. I want you to go enjoy some uh, some hockey memories with uh, with Cash and and ask him about the other Cash. All right?
2: Got it. Thanks, Mark. All right.
1: That's Mick Colagio, New Bedford Standard Times, taking time to talk to us as he drives through a monsoon. Uh, in the greater Boston area, headed to TD Garden uh, for, what do they call it, the legend? That's what they call it, I forget. The tradition, the tradition, and they honor uh, great Boston athletes of the past, and uh, I've been to that a couple times. They used to have it in the summer, uh, late June. It was always during the Stanley Cup Finals or right after, uh, but I guess they do it now in the winter. Um, But I'll tell the story maybe in the last segment. About Wayne Cashman and Johnny Cash uh, for our listeners. But until then, uh, stay with us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We will get back and we will talk some Patriots football with John Serenades of Xandjoe.com and Fansided.com. And one of my favorite shows filmed in Philadelphia. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. So here's a theme song to that. We'll be back. <laughs>
0: It's the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire here's what you missed last week on the Fantasy Champion Show, presented by North End Subaru and Mazda. Tristan Cockroft of ESPN.com is our guest.
3: At quarterback, for example, he's got the Browns giving up a whole lot of sanity points
0: lately, but they're actually not the top matchup for quarterbacks because if you take the strength of, of opponent, it kind of brings them back down to a top 10 matchup, but not, not the top one. So it's another one of your mathematical schemes, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Get your football Sunday started the right way with the Fantasy Champion Show, Sundays at 10, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio.
4: I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. It's pretty amazing that we spent half of the season wondering what was wrong with Aaron Rodgers. In typical Rodgers fashion, he's actually having an impressive season. He threw two touchdowns with no interceptions, and the Packers went over the Eagles last night. That moves him to number two in the league with 27 touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he has just seven interceptions. Those are MVP-type numbers, but Green Bay has been inconsistent this season, and no matter who's at fault, Rodgers gets called out. That's part of being a star quarterback. You get too much credit when you win and too much blame when you lose. In reality, the defense has been killing the Packers. Last night, that unit stepped up a little bit. The win kept Green Bay within two games of the division leader, Detroit Lions. The Packers are running out of time, but if they get into the playoffs, watch out. That's the thing about quarterbacks at Aaron Rodgers' level. Even when their teams are down, you do not want to face them come playoff time. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. It's getting to be the best part of the football season, and there's no better place to be than Buffalo Wild Wings. They do it all for you, and it doesn't stop at wall-to-wall TV's, limited-time menu, or countless beers on tap. No, they go the extra mile, and from now until it's tapped out, Lagunitas Fandom Ale. That's a limited-release beer, this citrus-infused, hoppy, pale wheat ale that won't last long. Yep, yeah, I've said there's no place to be, but that's because it's true. It's Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. Please drink responsibly. Exciting news today. I'm very pleased to announce Simply Safe Home Security has released its brand new security camera designed by some of the best engineers in the business. This camera is different. It connects to each sensor in the Simply Safe security system. Anytime the system detects something, the camera records and sends a video straight to your smartphone. Someone tries to break in, you see it right away, and Simply Safe calls the police. I think this camera is going to be incredible. You got to see it for yourself. Go to simplysafedan.com. Simplysafedan.com. The
0: Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit appletherapy.com.
4: I am speaking with Patrick Gillis, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the month of October from Exeter high School Patrick how are you good
1: how are you Laura
4: so tell me a little about your experience at Exeter high You played football mm-hmm. four years there
1: so it's been a really good experience both academically and uh, with sports
2: like they, we have I would say one of the best football programs in the state I and mean, constantly making playoffs year after year and then academically I've had like multiple options with um, pursuing kind of like the interests I have so I've had Lots uh, lots of different science classes and I'm looking to go into engineering in the future so I've been able to go over to the Seacoast School of Technology and take engineering classes over there.
4: Nice. Where are you looking to go to college?
2: I've applied to some local schools and then some farther ones too. I'd say probably my first choice would be George Tech. I've also applied to UNH and Clemson and um, some other local schools that better specialize in engineering.
5: How do you maintain a GPA of 4.92 and also maintain football and National Honor Society, National Honor Technical Society, Class Treasurer, uh, Co-President of Students Against Bullying? Like, how do you maintain all these things?
2: Pretty much every morning and early mornings having a meeting before class. And there's a lot of support from, like, my family and the teachers, too, to just strive to do well.
0: Nominate Dorsal or daughter. Sign up now at espnnhradio.com. Talking boxing with Billy C, every Saturday morning from 4 to 6.
4: Here's my thoughts to WBC, who likes to parade around and act like they are the sport of boxing. They like to to promote their belt as the belt to have. And for the most part, a lot of fighters follow that thought process. I think Canelo Alvarez would be in a position to really put some egg on the face of the WBC.
0: On the home for boxing fans, ESPN New Hampshire. We've got a new number to text into 845 827 1250. Campbell picks it up, throws to the end zone, caught in the end zone for a touchdown by Malcolm Mitchell. Brady pass, it is caught, touchdown, Malcolm Mitchell. Second and five, Fitzpatrick, under pressure, he got hit from behind, the loose ball is picked up by the Patriots.
4: Chris Long.
1: Welcome back to The Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. We are motoring through the final hour of The Stretch Run here on a horrible weather night in Nashua, southern New Hampshire, New England, southern New England area, northern New England. Anywhere in New England right now pretty much is brutal. It's like a monsoon out there. Be careful. Hope you're listening to us. I hope you're listening at home on your computer. And uh, enjoying a nice uh, cold or hot beverage, whatever is your choice, maybe an adult beverage, and you're relaxing. But if you are in the car, be careful driving. And uh, on to discuss the Patriots with me right now is our good friend John Sarenadis of xandjoe.com and fan and many other outlets. How you doing, Coach?
3: Doing all right. How are you?
1: I'm good. And uh, did your team uh, play yet or is that this coming weekend?
3: No, we are playing uh Saturday night, uh, That's what uh, I at eight o'clock at the West Stadium against Reading Memorial High School in the Division One A Super Bowl.
1: Hey, who are you playing again? Uh Reading. Reading, okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh I wish you the best of luck. Thank the, you. The kids Thank must be excited. Uh there's a lot of uh anxiety right now. How are they handling it?
3: Uh they're handling it well. Uh, this is our school's first ever Super Bowl appearance, so uh you know, a lot of firsts. We we capped off an undefeated season on Thanksgiving, regular season. And, uh, you know, we hope to cap off an undefeated season on Saturday night. But but they're excited. But by the same token, there's obviously, a you know, a focus there. And, and, and we've had some good practices so far this week. And I think they're ready to go. So um, we'll see where we're at on Friday. But uh, I, I suspect we'll be ready to go. And we'll, we'll be ready to play Saturday night, which should be a good game.
1: Yeah, it's great. And, of course, uh, the New England Patriots fresh off a win over their arch rival, the New York Jets. It was a battle, but they got it done. Tom Brady with some uh, typical Brady clutch plays down the stretch run there, and uh, the defense finally came through in the clutch as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's what? Two days after uh, the game, and obviously in the game, Rob Gronkowski uh, when he get six or seven snaps, I think, and he left with a back injury, did not come back. And now talk spreads like wildfire all over the airwaves, across the internet, on NFL Network. Uh, Bart Scott saying he does not believe Gronkowski's time in New England is, is long. And he thinks it's going to end soon. Uh, a lot of people saying they should trade him. Uh, people saying that he's never going to get the extension here chaos, I tell you. Uh, Your take on this whole situation and and, and just please try to calm the masses here because I think there's been a complete overreaction uh, amongst media and fans today.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I I do think it's a complete overreaction. The reality is, why are we even talking about this? Why are we talking about trading the greatest tight end of all time? I, I don't understand why that's even a conversation. It's funny to me because Patriots fans run hot and cold. On the one hand, you got a guy like Jamie Collins who wanted more money, asked for more money, and Bill Belichick chases him out of town, and a lot of fans are like, well, he didn't want to fit the Patriot way. It was about him. He didn't want to play within the team concept. He wanted more money. You know what? I don't have a problem with Bill jettisoning him. And then now you've got Gronkowski, a guy who is eventually going to want more money. That's coming up in the next two years, and people are saying, well, you know, if he doesn't fit the Patriot way, the way they want to do things, it might be time to move on. The reality is he is an elite player. He is a top-ten player in the league. His biggest issue is staying healthy. I don't want to hear any nonsense about money. If this guy can stay healthy, he's one of the ten best players in the league. Do not allow guys like that to leave your facility. You don't trade him, and you don't let him walk in free agency. This is a guy you got to keep. Look, I think if you're the Patriots, this is why it's so important this offseason to find a way to re-sign Martellus Bennett. You're going to need an insurance policy with Rob Gronkowski. You need your second tight end to be a guy that could start for you. But as long as you have that guy in place, you don't trade Rob Gronkowski. And if you can extend him, you do because he's an elite player. I think if they were to trade Rob Gronkowski for whatever reason this offseason, I think they're making a monumental mistake. You do not allow an elite talent like that to leave your organization.
1: But see, I think this was manifested by the media and and, and fans, and I don't even think it's it's a topic right now for the Patriots. I think it's what you no, said earlier. Right. I think I think they're just doing their due diligence and they want to make sure he's healthy, they want to make sure he's okay, and there's nothing wrong with not resigning. And people are sitting here saying, Well, you know, look, they, they go out and they give Cannon a five year extension. Well, what about this guy and that guy? What about them? They took care of one guy right now that they think is ready to take care of. And they did it, and they move on. And, and when the other guy's time comes, they'll address that. And I don't think it's an issue. I totally agree with you on the Bennett aspect. A lot of people are saying, well, why are they so focused on signing Bennett in the offseason? Does that mean they know for sure that is going to go? No, it doesn't. But is there anything wrong with covering your bases and making sure you're okay in case it, in case it doesn't work out? That's what a good team does, and that's why they are the New England Patriots.
3: Right, absolutely, and that's why it's so important for them to re-sign Martellus Bennett. You need to have that second tight end that can step in and start three, four, five games a year. Look, it's no secret that Rob Gronkowski has had injury issues throughout his career, and this is a guy who's probably not going to play as long as he could have because of the injury. Right. But that doesn't mean you don't give him the next contract. Now, you can can design the contract to benefit you and protect you if he doesn't fulfill it, in terms of the amount of snaps he plays and the amount of games he plays. But to, to even suggest it, why does anybody even take anything that Bart Scott says seriously? I mean, this is the same guy <laughs> who in two thousand ten, when they won here, is sitting there flapping his lips to Sal Palantonio talking about, <laughs> you know, how they did it and everything else. i it escapes me what he said. It was something stupid. But yeah. but my whole point is who even cares what Bart Scott says? That's what Honestly, I said earlier.
1: Like, why is this even a story?
3: This is a guy guy who who is incoherent half the time on their pregame show on Sundays on CBS. And now we care what this guy thinks? It would be a great nonsense.
1: That's why we have you on the show, my friend. That's why we have you on the show. On a lighter topic, um, the Patriots uh, news breaks today that they very well could be facing the Oakland Raiders uh, in Mexico City uh next year this is more of an NFL grand, you know grand topic here you know you look at how the game went there when they played there a couple weeks ago um just your take on the NA, the NFL's sudden i don't know if it's sudden but uh, m- more heavier emphasis on extending their product into Mexico and you know we know that they've been doing a lot of those London games does this late you know this recent Uh, focus on Mexico mean that they're going to veer away from Europe and uh, maybe even expand to Mexico? What's your take on this right now? No, I don't think
3: so. I I think they're going to continue to play more games than they should in London. And I think that they're going to try to see if they can generate some momentum to play at least one, maybe two, games in Mexico City every year. Look, this is a league, and and as much as I hate to admit this, because when, when Mark Cuban originally that the NFL would eventually become so greedy that it would destroy itself, I'm beginning to think he was right. Mm. I mean, this this is a league that, that has no boundaries when it comes to expanding and promoting their product. And while I get that there's an interest in London and Mexico City, I don't really understand why you need to go to London as many times as they've gone in recent years. And I don't understand why you need to go to Mexico City every year. Sure, they had a great turnout, first regular season game in Mexico City first Monday night football game outside the United States. All of that stuff is great. But if you go to the well one too many times, eventually you'll find that there's no water there. And the reality is, if you if you go to London more than a couple of times a year, eventually you'll see that the fan interest will wait. Same thing with Mexico City. So I, I, I think to me it's the same thing with the Thursday night football package. This is nothing more than this league being greedy and continuing to try to promote their product as much as they can. And while there is a market for it, it is becoming oversaturated now. I think there's too much football on and you've got to be careful because right now, Roger Goodell and these owners are going to start cutting their nose to spite their face. And that could be a problem here. I don't see any reason why the NFL should be going into Mexico city in 2017. Maybe you do it every two years, but it doesn't surprise me, Jimmy, because it is the NFL and greed is the name of the game.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, I agree completely with you and I, I think it's a, it's a definitely an issue that it's it's starting already to come back to haunt them and and they're obviously, you know, public relations wise over the last few years have taken a beating. But I read a, a pretty cool story and I don't know if um you know about her, about the uh one of the co owners of the Buffalo Bills, uh is Pagula's wife, Kim Pagula. Yeah, have you Kim heard? Kim Pagula, yeah. Like, what a, you know, rags to riches, uh, American dream story she was. I mean, an orphan in, in South Korea, and she finds herself, uh, you know, 40 years later, uh, owning an NFL team. But, you know, obviously they're going to make her look great in this story. I don't know enough information, on it, so I'm only going based on what I read here and based on some of the, the people they interviewed that have encountered her. But she just seems so complete opposite of what we just described there. She seems so much more refreshing, so much more in, like passionate about her team, not just about it being an asset and and it being all about money, more involved with her community. And I'm wondering, are we not seeing enough of that in the NFL right now? Have we lost the owners like that that really took the time to embed themselves in the community, to really be a part of it and and spin it in a positive way and make the best of – of their asset, and that is their NFL team.
3: Yeah, I think I think that owners have lost their way a little bit because for a long time, a lot of the owners didn't just own the team, but they were invested in the community. Now you have a lot of owners that aren't even from the the the, right. the, the community that represents the team they own, and and there's no investment there. Okay, if if you're Jimmy Haslam, you own the Cleveland Browns. There's no investment in Cleveland. Yeah, so. Your focus is at Cleveland. Your focus is the football team and, and getting the right people in position to run the football team and getting the right players in position to win championships. And I think that's the focal point across the league. That's where I give Bob Kraft credit. Like them or not, and there are a lot of people in this neck of the woods that, that, that don't love the Krafts, but like them or not, they do invest in the community yeah, in some that. way, shape, or form. Yep. And, and you're seeing that in Buffalo with the Pagoulas. So I, I think that for every Bob Kraft and and, and for the Bagulas, there's the Jerry Jones of the world that are more concerned. And the Jones family does a lot in Dallas. I, I don't want to diminish what they've done mm-hmm. since he's on the team. But the focal point has always been the team. I'm not sure that nationally enough gets said about what the Jones family does in, in the Dallas Metroplex area. So I, I do think that it'd be nice to see some of these owners go back down that road a little bit and do more for the community and, and care more about the community because all they seemingly care about is revenue and stadiums and, and, and the, the team they own and the players they possess. And that's, that, that's, a, that's a problem given where we're at right now. Yeah, socially.
1: I mean, exactly. I, you know, like I'm thinking about it. I'm reading this story and I'm thinking about, all the PR hits this league has taken and everything that's gone on, you know, from the domestic abuse to deflategate and all this stuff. And, and here I'm reading, well, well, there's still some good left in the league. There's still some good things happening. Like, I mean, crying out loud, she built up the whole downtown core of Buffalo again. And now it's, you know, it's like, uh, when the Indians, uh, you know, first went into the Jake there in Cleveland, they built up the flats. there, Like there's bars and restaurants everywhere. And she's creating mm-hmm. jobs for the economy. like, That stuff needs to get out there more, and if it's there, if it is happening like it is in Buffalo, if it's happening elsewhere, the NFL could do themselves a huge favor to get it out there more because I'll tell you, right now, they're taking so many hits. I I, I just thought it was interesting to read that in the midst of all this. But listen, hey, John, always a pleasure, my friend. I agree 100% with you on the Gronk stuff. I I just thought it was like... How desperate are we for news that we're really going to make this a big story right now? It's Right. A, that it, it, and Felger's
3: comments about Al Horford are the two biggest stories of oh the day. What Jesus. does that tell you about where we're at right now in terms of exactly. news stories and having something to talk about?
1: It's true. I mean, you know, like sometimes I'm embarrassed of my profession. You know, it's like what's, what's, what's happened to us here? And I think yeah, social media yeah. has a lot to do with it. But Absolutely. hey, listen, uh, good luck in the Super Bowl. May you uh, next time we talk to you, we'll talk to a champion, all right?
3: All right, sounds good, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jimmy. Me-
1: all right, that's John Serenades. Uh, joining us from xandjoe.com and fanside.com and a few other outlets as well. And, you know, we were speaking about Gronk, and uh, if he does have a shortened career, at least he's got a singing career. We'll let you listen to this as uh, the stretch run continues here. One more segment left here on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back.
5: So
0: tough. I'll keep myself open all day. Th- Running all the routes and making the plays and stuff. And stuff. I'm saying you should look at the Madden team you got. If you need a solid tight end. let me fill that slot. You've got receivers but they're not quite big enough. So give me a shot. I swear Whoa With the right amount You're listening to The Stretch Run With Jimmy Murphy Stay tuned for the right time With Bomani Jones Only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio She
5: would never say Where she came from
0: Yesterday don't matter If it's gone
5: Oh, it's not a Ruby
1: Ruby Tuesday, it's a dreary Tuesday, isn't it, Justin, here in a stretch run on, on ESPN New Hampshire. But we're having fun. We're having fun. It's just miserable. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to this ride down Route 3. I'm not looking forward to walking to the parking garage right behind you. I'll give you a lift. i get the car. It's like a 10-step walk and I'm going to be soaked. i got to go down Route 3. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Stay safe. Yeah. Maybe I'll go over, maybe I'll go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, no, you know what? going to be there uh, We're Thursday. Thursday. That's there right. We are going to be at uh, a Buffalo Wild Wings in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, and I'll give you the info right now. Every Thursday in December, uh, ESPN, New Hampshire, and another uh, Bud Light and Goose Island IPA. If I could still drink beer, I would be <laughs> drinking a lot of that. I love Goose Island IPA. They had. Uh, McLean's, the pub I've spoken about a couple times up in yeah. Montreal, my friend owned it, so one of their biggest uh, clients was Goose Island IPA or one of Goose Island IPA's biggest clients was McLean's, and, and so the guy would come in there, and he would give us so many freebies, you know, hats, shirts, beer. Awesome. yeah. Like, one time I'm sitting there watching a Patriots game on a Sunday, and uh, the guy comes in, and he's he's like, right. you know, I'm in town for the week, and trying to sell, and then he's like, I need a good place to watch NFL. So we start talking. We strike up a conversation and keep in touch. She goes, be here next Saturday at 8 a.m. I'm like, why? He's like, just be here. <laughs> I get there. <coughs> excuse me. Saturday at 8 a.m. He gave me three cases of Goose Island IPA in the house. <laughs> yeah. It Pretty was good. awesome. Pretty good. And, and I don't know if you know, Quebec is very taxed. Yeah. So booze up there, like a uh, 12-pack of Bud Light bottles – is what around here? About ten bucks, yeah. Tops, yeah. max. Usually yeah. like eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a guess up there. $13? Thirteen twenty seven ninety nine oh. on average <laughs> in Quebec uh. for Bud Light. Oh, uh, 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 sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't no. know if you're a Bud Light guy, but I think it's nope, a- nope. Well, I can't say that because yeah, exactly. they are part of the sponsor, but I'm not a Bud Light guy. <laughs> nope. Uh, but I will be on uh, every Thursday in December because Bud Light and Goose Island IPA. Yeah. Uh, are helping us take the stretch run on the road. Mobile show. I love road shows. <laughs> road show. trip. Road best. trip. The best. To Buffalo Wild Wings, Especially Buffalo Wild We'll be Wild rotating Rinks. between the Concord and Manchester locations with live broadcasts every week starting this Thursday at the B-Dubs at 8 Loudon Road in Concord. And then the following week, we will be at the B-Dubs inside the Mall of New Hampshire in Manchester. Now, the Mall of New Hampshire... Is that bigger than the Pheasant Lane? It's bigger. Oh, yes. It yes. is. It's
5: bigger. It's, um, tell you what. Pheasant Lane's a pretty cool mall. Pheasant like Lane's, it. yes, it's awesome. I love the Pheasant Lane Mall. But going to Buffalo Wild Wings is an event. That's like that's like an event. I've been up to the one of mall, at the Mall of New Hampshire. It's, it's huge. It's awesome. awesome. It's well, I'm awesome. looking forward
1: to this. Thanks to Bud Light and Goose Island IPA. Uh, we will be on the road every Thursday in December, starting this Thursday, December 1st, and this Thursday, it starts off in Concord, 8 Loudon Road, at the Buffalo Wild Wings there. The stretch run, 3 to 6 p.m., like we always are. Um, Call it the mobile holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. should be good. The mobile holidays. I like that. I'm psyched. And... uh yeah, so I'm psyched about that. We uh it's a great place as well. I have not been there yet, but I am told it's a great oh, it's place awesome. to watch NFL football, college football, it doesn't just you, And you, fantasy football. You can't miss a TV. <laughs> like it's just one of those you you
5: look everywhere there's a TV. There's no way you can't watch the game.
1: It's yeah, awesome. For sure. And um I also want to remind the listeners as I've just been reminded on this dreary Tuesday, we've got the Bruins pregame coming up right now. Oh nice. Oh, nice. I think we both uh, we both kind of forgot about that, we didn't we? We missed the ball. We missed the ball on that. Ready to go, though. Bruins pregame coming up 6-7 to seven right now on ESPN New Hampshire. And then, of course, the Bruins and Flyers live from Philly will be heard here on ESPN New Hampshire tonight. So here we are. Yes. But you know what we can do, my friend, is we can replay that amazing interview we did with Pierre Maguire. Oh, God, yeah. And then <laughs> the, uh, the monsoon interview we did with Mick Collaggio. yes. So Bless. that's what we will do. We will open up the show and uh I will banter. We'll try and get some callers in. And then if you missed it, you're gonna want to hear uh this Pierre interview was, with Pierre, Pierre Maguire. Really just, good stuff doesn't on Doesn't get uh, any better than that. He had some great stuff on Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak. uh also talking about analytics versus old school and you know, the human eye and uh, having a feeling for the game and not always depending on analytics and uh on the situation that it was a result of that in Florida uh, with them letting go of their coach, Gerard Gallant. So uh, really good stuff on that. So what we'll do when we get back, we've got a few minutes left here to stretch run. Uh, We'll open up the phone lines for the first segment of the Bruins pregame show, six to seven. Uh, For the first segment, we'll open it up to you. The number is 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900. We'll talk some Bruins hockey We'll get you up to date on what's going on down in Philly as the Bruins prepare to play the Philadelphia Flyers uh, down at the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Tuka Rask is getting a nod for the Bruins. Uh, Steve Mason appears to be getting a nod for the Flyers. So we'll tee you up for that. But like I said, you don't want to miss it. We, we're going to have time to, to yeah, cut yeah. that up and you can Absolutely, replay it? Yeah. Because you can work your
5: magic bud? The, the, the thing about the Pierre that I love is he, he's a national guy, but he is so, since he's an encyclopedia of, of every player ever. He's so good at relating it to this area and right. making and making it, you know, so something someone who's a Bruins fan can listen to it. And, oh, there's talk about Marsh there's talk about yeah. Bergeron. There's talk. We could about ask everybody. him about Tim Shell, exactly. And, and he, he would have been know. able to ramble off stats. He would have known. And yeah, and that's what I love. It's not that he's just a national guy and he sticks to. He he can go. everywhere. That's
1: why I don't understand why people don't appreciate. Him I, I love Everyone's it. Everyone's like, oh, he talks too much. I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. He's a wealth talk. of information. You know, I mean, isn't that why you watch or why you listen? I mean, I hope that's why you listen to our show. I hope we're giving you uh, good information and. And good insight. I mean, Especially that's our that, goal. That, that local feel to it,
5: because that that's something where I can get lost in national guys, where they talk national. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Sometimes- he's very
1: connected, though, you know, in New England, because he used to coach uh, around here. He coached college hockey. Yeah. And uh, he also, like he said, his kid goes to Belmont Hill right outside of Boston. Uh, he's up here all the time with his yeah. kids for tournaments. He knows a lot of the college coaches and, and the minor league coaches, so... He definitely has a wealth of knowledge when it comes that. to hockey in this area. So uh, I urge you definitely to check in for that. What do you think? What do you need for a turnaround? We could do that by about six twenty. Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. right. So at six twenty, we're going to play Pierre Maguire from NBC and TSN. He was on with me earlier here on the stretch run, and then we'll close it out at six forty uh, with Mick Collagio. So Bruins pregame show up ahead. We like it tonight. Bruins Flyers.
5: One, I want a good game. I want a good game. Start off with that, and I think that th- there's a lot that's been said about obviously Char being down, and there's you've talked, we've talked about that on the show so much that right when you think they're going to go into a landslide, and right when you think that they're going to become what we think they're going to become, they win a bunch of games, and it's and it's usually it's Tuukka and it's, and to me that tonight that's that's all it is. It's a nutshell. It's too This team goes as two goes right now. Uh, I think they are going to win tonight, though. I do believe they're going to win tonight. But it's, it's to me, char skating, which is a good sign, but this team goes as Tuca Rask goes right now, and just when you think that they're going to lose a couple games where they're going to slide and kind of become that you know, borderline and, and maybe out of the playoffs and miss some spots and have to trade pieces at the deadline, they win a bunch of games. So that's where I, I feel like we're at right now with Claude and, and Tuka backs against the wall, they're going to find a way to pull one out.
1: I'm with you, and you know we never say with the Bruins this Bruins team. there's no game they should win, like McColago said. Yeah, but this is a game that's definitely winnable um, if they stick within their system. I think they can beat this team. The Flyers, you're going to watch, and we'll talk about this in the in the opening segment of the Bruins pregame show coming up here on ESPN New Hampshire, six to seven p.m. before the Bruins Flyers broadcast. Uh, just a lot of holes. Yeah, a lot of holes in that. Lake and, team everything I'm defensively, like you, if you do play it right, you can skate right through them. <laughs> so, Swiss cheese, yeah, love it. You know, you can skate right through them.
5: I mean, everything I'm hearing is it's going to be high flying, which is not exactly what I, I want the Bruins to be doing, but I would
1: say for our gambling friends, take the over, yeah. But then again, the Bruins don't score much, exactly. And two is in net, you
5: know, exactly. So, it's like you hear high flying, but at the same time, you're like, yeah. no, no, no,
1: I want you and, to slow it down. And Bruins have gone <laughs> under. 6 out of the last 8 Bruins games Six. have gone five total goals or under. Something's going to happen. It's kind of, it's
5: it's one or the other tonight. It's coming.
1: it's coming it's to be weird. here. So uh we will be back here. We just uh realized nice when we uh we were on top of things like that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Completely yeah, put some more time with you, Sully. It's 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 called on the fly. I like it. On the fly. On the fly. <laughs> is not the show on uh, <laughs> NHL <laughs> network, right? There you go. All right. There oh. we go. We'll be back. Bruins pregame show.
0: Seems like somebody's Take my shit, my Got messed up